This episode of Remnant Radio is brought to you in part by our sponsors at Kairos Classrooms. Have you ever thought about learning a biblical language as a supplemental tool in your biblical studies? Well, Kairos Classrooms offers real classroom environments with with classmates and a live instructor who can help teach you biblical languages, both Greek and Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. Uh, The price for a single semester is crazy affordable for anyone, so check out the links in the description and use promo code REMNANT to get 10% off Kairos Classrooms. Check out Kairos Classrooms today. Discount code R-E-M-N-A-N-T, REMNANT, to get 10% off your semester. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the wonderful world of Remnant Radio. You'll notice that Michael Roundtree is not with us today. Uh, He is just moved to Oklahoma yesterday. He moved out there. Uh, He's getting settled there with the family. We got an exciting episode with Elijah and Jeff is on the other line with us. And they're here to talk to us about their new documentary, Sin Proof, which I've seen. You're not going to want to miss this episode. It's a great, great, great content. You are watching The Remnant Radio, a crowd-funded show where we interview pastors, teachers, historians, and theologians from different churches and denominations. My name is Joshua Lewis, and this is my co-host, Michael Roundtree. Together, we want to help you break outside of your theological echo chambers. If you're interested in learning about history, theology, or the gifts of the Spirit, this is the show for you. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. We've got Elijah. We're talking about Sin Proof. Uh, lots of really great content here on Remnant Radio. If you're not familiar with our content, you need to go check it out. Make sure to subscribe as we come out with content Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Central Time. Uh, next week is uh, holidays, uh, so just fully expect to only see two episodes next week. Me and Michael filmed an episode together, uh, and we have a taped episode with Dr. Keener that's going to be released, but no to be continued on Wednesday. So won't be doing Gifts of the Spirit stuff there on Wednesday. But uh, if you've been blessed by our content and want to help support the stuff that we're doing, there are links in the description for PayPal or Patreon. Give us Lewis five bucks a month on PayPal, or Lewis five bucks a month on Patreon, get access to extra content, uh, or a one-time gift on PayPal. Uh, Also, uh, the documentary that we're talking about today is linked in the description of this video. Uh, So I really want to encourage you, if you're watching this video, you haven't heard Sin Proof, you really need to go down there, check out that documentary. Uh, It's really inexpensive, uh, and I cried multiple times. So, I mean, I'm kind of a baby, so that doesn't... (laughs) True. You know, I, I cried during <laughs> Spider-Man last night, you know, so <laughs> Elijah came and watched Spider-Man with me. It was, was good. It was, it was really good. Yeah, I liked it. It was good. Jeff, I'm sorry you did not get to come and watch Spider-Man with us. Uh, uh, it's a bummer, but it's glad to have you there in the virtual space. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I'll take a rain check next time I'm in, I'm in Fort Worth. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll come see you. Well, I've, I'm excited to have both of you guys here uh, on the show. I've hung out with both of you guys in Houston. Uh, uh, lots of fun there. Uh, Elijah's been on the show multiple times. Uh, Jeff, you've come and done a Patreon episode with us uh, about going to Bethel Church in Reading. You're a Reformed guy who decided to go to Reading School of Supernatural Ministry. Uh, since most of our public audience isn't as familiar with you, I'll give you a second to introduce yourself and kind of your connections with Elijah in this documentary before I give Elijah a moment to introduce himself since he's kind of like a regular at this point. Yeah, sure. So um, I have been a Christian for a long time. God saved me actually through a vision uh, at age 15. I grew up in a Bible church, so not an environment where the supernatural uh, was very normal to experience or talk about. Uh, Through college years, became more reformed, mostly under the influence of men like Piper, and also kind of under the influence of, of Piper, became open to um, the, a charismatic position or a continuationist position, if you will, but also because of my background, 
super, super nervous about those crazy charismatics. You know, I grew up um, watching a, a channel on TV that had some kind of um, look like pretty I crazy like that, stuff uh, to channel. me. I, thought, I like that. That was, <laughs> yeah. that was a nice dodge. You know, if that's what Jesus charismatic Jew. is, I don't know if I'm one of those. But over time, I've been on a journey. Really, it's been helpful for me to learn that there are uh, folks out there who love the word, who preach the word, who are also um, saying, hey, and we can experience everything the Holy, Holy Spirit has for us today. Men like Jack Deere, Sam Storms, Matt Chandler, those guys have been super influential. Um, you hinted at my recent journey uh, to the uh, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. That's been a wild and crazy and really good experience. It's how I met Elijah. In fact, a part of my journey to get here involved having to sort through all the different things that I'd heard uh, about Bethel. And as you know, there's just uh, all kinds of stuff out there. And Elijah appeared on a podcast. Uh, it was the Cultish podcast. I know you've seen that one. There was a, a young lady that had come out of this environment and was pretty critical. And then he went on the on the same podcast, I don't know, a year later or so. And I thought Elijah just did a fantastic job he had good, cogent, kind answers to all of the different objections that were raised about Bethel. And when I ended up here, I wanted to meet him and just buy him a cup of coffee, tell him thanks for uh, the work that he had done on those episodes uh, as a guest. And so when I got here, we ended up grabbing uh, breakfast. And as I got to learn a little more about Elijah, learned about Sin Proof. And when I saw Sin Proof, my first thought was, I want my friends back home to see this. And by back home, I mean uh, the churches that I come from, where the word is super elevated and folks, I think, are open, but very cautious about the Holy Spirit, cautious about the supernatural, because there is uh, crazy stuff out there in con artistry. And I thought the film did just such a good job uh, of sort of drawing some lines between those things and really I felt, you know, permission to really fully throw myself into believing that God does do uh, miracles today. And so the opportunity arose for me to become a business partner with Elijah to help finally get the film out, get it distributed. And uh, happy to say that uh, that I'm still friends with Elijah and we're, uh, you know, just loving working together and, and getting sin proof out. And I believe God can to change a lot of lives. Even after all of that work, you're still friends with Elijah. Praise God. Uh, <laughs> we've got a we got a secret project that we're working on over here. Uh, Elijah's been with us for the last five six days. Uh, we've been doing a lot of filming. We'll probably let you guys know a little bit more about that here in the future. Elijah, tell us a little about yourself and your ministry, mm -hmm. and maybe a little bit about this project as well. Uh, and then we'll kind of dive more into the specifics of it all. Yeah. Um. So my heart is to give kind of an apologetic for miracles. I, I think there's critical thinkers out there who believe in miracles, but they have a background in medicine or science or philosophy. And they're like, where is the evidence for that, this stuff? And so the movie Sin Proof is my journey to go look for that evidence and all the obstacles I run into along the way. And the overall vision of it is to get the charismatic church to send in proof so that it can be researched. We've got a team of medical researchers now called the Global Medical Research Institute, 
and they will take cases. And so if you have a miracle out there, please go to sinproof.com, scroll down to the bottom and type in testimony and um, let our team research the case because we want to get these things published in peer-reviewed medical journals yeah. so that um, we can say, hey, we have researched the case. We know the person was sick. We know they are healed. We know that there is no known naturalistic explanation or a highly improbable naturalistic explanation for this. Yeah, so I, I want guys who are, who are watching right now, I'm getting comments in here already about Bethel and Toronto and some of these charismatic spaces. What I'll tell you about Bethel, what I, what I won't tell you about Bethel, but what I'll tell you about these guys here is that they are immensely biblically theologically robust uh, i've spent many many times though i haven't spent much time with leadership at bethel i have spent time with these two guys uh, late into the nights uh, in houston i think we stayed up till one o'clock almost every night for like <laughs> oh, yes. four or five days in a row uh talking theology chatting about projects that we're working on together uh, so i know that these are guys who are looking to help charismatic spaces uh, not live in anti-intellectualism uh, and, and to use critical thinking because the charismatic movement is a beautiful movement movement that we have all experienced mm -hmm. blessing from uh, and, and we love. And, and we've had thoughts about Bethel that you can guys go watch. This video is not about that. We're specifically talking about this project that they've worked on, uh, of which I can not only endorse, but would actually encourage you to go check out. Uh, love the documentary. Uh, you, 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 last time you were on the program, you sent the documentary to us. Uh, mm -hmm. It was touching then and it's still touching now. Uh, it's been a long process working through this. So uh, uh, for those of you who, who are out there, again, links are in the description. Should we should we play like a, a clip for them, a commercial for yeah. them, and then we can kind of discuss a little bit more about this documentary? So let's let's take a quick break, and we're gonna watch this uh, this clip, this commercial. The power of God hit me, and I was instantly healed. This man's spinal cord had been severed, and he was totally healed. To see a little five year old girl that's never heard before when all of a sudden the ears open. That's enough for me. I don't need to see a doctor's report. Jump up and stop running. The standardly understood definition of a miracle is an occurrence that has no other good explanation. There are many people mistake things that happen entirely by chance as some sort of miracle. I mean, there are hundreds of millions of people who claim to have experienced divine healing. Are you going to dismiss all of that? My passion has been to bridge the gap between the intellectual and the supernatural. I've heard all of these testimonies of people having extraordinary miracles. What I wasn't seeing was objective evidence. So I decided to go find it myself. I speak to all pain in the shoulder in Jesus' name. Is the pain gone? I say full healing in the name of Jesus. Why do you think the miracles don't happen when the cameras are on? Some testimonies are false. Some testimonies are exaggerated. Miracles don't happen. The moment you investigate them carefully from a scientific perspective, they unravel. Be skeptical. Have you ever seen anything like this? No.
Wanting evidence is not a lack of faith. There's power and proof. Two or three miracles are anomalies, but thousands of miracle case studies would change the way we think about the world. And I just realized that that commercial is probably copywritten somehow, so this video is going to be flagged. Uh, anyway, I'm really <laughs> excited about uh, this documentary. Really, really cool. I'm excited about the impact that it's going to have in the, the Pentecostal charismatic space because we have always believed in miracles, uh, but this this has us thinking of this in a completely different paradigm. When I watched this, I was like, well, of course, of course, we need documentation of these things. Why? Why? Um, maybe start with Elijah here. Why haven't we been thinking in these terms when talking mm -hmm. about miracles? I mean, it's just it's good enough to say I experienced this miracle and I could share mm -hmm. it on the Sunday morning. You know, I was blind and now I'm not blind anymore. But mm -hmm. what about the documented part of it? Why is that so important? It, it's super important because there's naturalistic things that look like miracles. There's the placebo effect. There's psychosomatic disorders. There's all this stuff, and there's a scientific community out there who knows about this. And when Christians come out and say, hey, I've got a miracle, God healed somebody, they're very hesitant to embrace it because we've presented bad evidence in the past. And so in, in classic Christianity, um, let's say until, well, Catherine Coleman was really the last person to do miracle research. She's, you know, she passed on um, and she wrote two or three books on this where she would have doctors review cases. And it actually, they, um, there was a magazine that sent a reporter out to investigate, like, is this stuff legit? And the reporter actually converted to Christianity and became a healing minister from it. And so there's this part of the church that says, eh, evidence doesn't matter. These skeptics wouldn't believe it if they saw it. And then there's people who are transformed by it. And so there are Christians out there who don't pray for the sick because they're not presented with evidence that the sick get healed. And so my heart is to say, hey, Christians, the burden of proof is on us. That's good. If we're saying there's miracles happening, then we need to be able to go, Here, here's some evidence. And this speaks into a couple of areas. And I'm going to toss this question over to Jeff um, because you said just now, uh, that we could see the cessationist movement reform, and then we also need the charismatic movement to reform. We need the charismatic space to think in terms of evidence, and we want the cessationist space that we would affirm our Christian brothers to move into a, a faith position when it comes to charismatic expressions. Jeff, do you want to speak into that on, and how there needs to be reform in both of these spaces? Yeah, absolutely. It was really interesting for me when I first saw the film um, you know, Elijah has done a fantastic job. He has such a heart for the atheist and the skeptic. And that's just w one of the huge, um, I think, beautiful, beautiful parts of the film is that these uh, gentlemen who appear in the film who are noted, noted atheists and skeptics are treated with respect. And the idea is, look, what standard of evidence would it take to convince these folks that in fact God does he heal today? And what was ironic to me as I watched the film was that it was occurring to me, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and I have the same standard of evidence if someone is going to come out today and say that God is doing, um, God is doing miracles and healing. I, I have such an ingrained skepticism 
that I think probably comes from a lot of places. It comes from some of the uh, you know impressions I have of charismatics. It probably comes from some ingrained naturalism. I mean, you can't really live in the West without being a functional naturalist. But it just occurred to me, uh, even as someone who believes in the um, virgin birth, the literal death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, all the miracles in the Bible, the parting of the Red Sea, all that supernatural stuff, all the healings in the New Testament. Back then, if someone today says, um, hey, there was this thing and we prayed and this lady got healed, I essentially am viewing that situation with as much skepticism as any of the atheists or skeptics that appear in the film. And why is that? Why do I have such an ingrained um, predisposition to not believe reports of the supernatural today? And I think the film really helps, helps uh, you know, the atheist and skeptic, but it's also saying something too to that large part of the church that loves Jesus, loves the word, and is really nervous about uh, the supernatural today. And I think if we can present this kind of evidence, we're going to serve atheists and skeptics, but I think we're going to serve that part of the church that wants to believe that these kinds of things take place, but also just has a ton of, uh, you know, a ton of reservations about it as well. Okay, so Elijah, I got a question about, you know, he mentioned just now the atheist. Like, how, how does this film serve in as apologetic to witness the loss you mentioned some of the atheists mm -hmm. that you interviewed you talked to in this program i mean w were there any guys who are like hey if you could give me documented proof i'd convert now and like or is it just that that very trope that you mentioned at the top of the show there are people that are just no matter what they're just not going to believe no matter what evidence you give them they're going to find a way to get around it i i think we need to talk about what is skepticism for a second okay. to answer that yeah, yeah. so there's an open-minded person out there who goes, look, I don't know if God's real or not. Um, if I saw some evidence for this. It, it would tilt me one direction or the other. And then there's the person who's bought into methodological naturalism, which mm -hmm. is this idea that if you do anything scientific, you have to exclude the supernatural. And that blinds people to the reality when the evidence points toward miracles. Because imagine this happens. Imagine I took 10 people and I, I even asked, uh, let me tell you this story. I, I was talking to a kid and he said, I don't believe in miracles. There's no God. I said, even if someone was missing like an arm and I prayed for him right now, the arm grew back, would you believe in God? He said, no. I said, what if I took 10 people? He said, no, I would believe you would have a arm growing machine before I believe in a God. And so the, there's something ingrained in some people where it does nothing. And then others, it starts building the pathway to Christ where they go, okay, maybe supernatural stuff exists. Maybe, you know, we live in a pantheistic world. Maybe it's something like that. And so it just helps people at different stages. And um, I was someone who had questions about the supernatural. Like if you're standing on stages saying God's healing people and you never see any type of doctor's reports, you need to question, is this happening? Okay, so you're saying that the worldview of the naturalist, this evidence can provide them an, uh, an ulterior plausibility structure. If naturalism is true, these spontaneous miracles just don't happen. And if you say... Well, these spontaneous miracles do happen. I have evidence that causes them to question their plausibility structure. It doesn't lead them instantly to Christ. 
but it does get them going well maybe there can be a supernatural worldview it's like it's like the step that gets them closer or they just come back and say well one day science will figure it out well it it would kind of be like this um we know the limits of the pop human body in many areas and mm -hmm. so if we say you know i can jump so high um humans have only jumped so high well maybe someone can go another inch but they can't like jump onto the top of a roof of a three-story building like you would know something else is going on and so you want to find those cases that are so extreme you're like what happened um this is not accountable in those terms. And so that's what we tried to push for in this movie. But it was also my journey. Like, I I had a senior pastor I used to minister with who said there's no miracles, there's no God. And that challenged me to some level. Whoa. Yeah. That, so kind of a progressive Christian background? No, he, he was uh, legitimately um, evangelical. It's just... He prayed for a lot of sick people, didn't see what he thought he should see, and then was like, I don't think this stuff is real. Well, and so it it really kind of challenged me as I was going through school to really start asking hard questions. Gotcha. Okay, so so let me ask this question, and I'll, I'll direct this one to Jeff. Man, there are a ton of documentaries out there. I mean, some of these Christian documentaries that cover miracles and God healing people today. I mean, they're on Netflix. I mean, they're all over the place. Can, can you speak to that space? Why is this documentary any different than those? Well, I'm not sure I've seen all the documentaries that you're referring to, but the, the clear thing that sets sin proof apart is the standard of evidence that's being put into play. The idea of gathering empirical data before and after medical records and actually having these medical records reviewed by professionals who would then create journal articles that would be submitted to peer-reviewed medical journals. I know of no other film that's, that's raising the standard that high when it comes to a healing. I mean, yes, I'm, there are films out there, documentaries where people are praying for folks on the street, but the real goal here is to search for actual cases where there is before and after medical evidence that is uh, present and can be summarized and synthesized and put, you know, under the level of scrutiny um, that academic researchers uh, would agree to and, and get this stuff published and have it looked at and taken seriously. Yeah, and and you mentioned the okay going through this rigorous process. Is this process easy? Like, is it when you when you submit this uh, to your researchers? Is it like they 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 burn through this thing really quickly? Why is it hard to get data? All those kinds of things. Yeah. Tell us about the the kind of the vetting process of once they get a miracle story, how they they vet that thing. Mm -hmm. And I want to know. Why aren't these, I mean, I've seen people get healed recently, mm -hmm. right? Like why aren't testimonies flooding in by the thousands and hundreds of thousands to, to prove all yeah. of these, these stories to be true? Um, that's a good question. So first of all, if you come to me with a miracle today and you're like, I've got every document, every x-ray, uh, MRI, here you go. And you submit it to our team. It it would be a two-year process, I would think, before it could get into a journal. Because they have to go back, they have to look through it, make sure that there's evidence you were sick, 
Um, and then sometimes there's a test afterwards that you would have to go through to verify it. Most people don't go back to the doctor after they're healed. Right. Um, they're just like, I'm good. Why, why go back? How do we justify this to insurance even? Um, and then there is this whole insurance issue of if someone gets healed and their doctor reports that, then, you know, most insurance companies are trained to think naturalistically. And so it sounds like a fraud case rather than a miracle in, in these insurance companies' minds if you report that back. And so there's this culture going on where medicine, modern medicine is not designed for miracle verification. Um, also, lots of Christians are lazy. Like so, if they said... No, oh, so let me just ask yeah. a clarification. So if someone has a kidney removed, right, right, a doctor removes a kidney because it's failing, mm-hmm. and then someone prays, yeah. and now there's a kidney in that person's body, that doctor is not really eager to release paperwork saying that person had a kidney or or is really hesitant, reluctant to report it because well, he's supposed to have taken a kidney out of that guy and insurance is going to well, be... Well, that would be it. the case, um, I, I, I suppose. And also... Um, Sometimes miracles just don't fit into any category that doctors feel comfortable talking about because mm. maybe the doctor's naturalistic and they just go, I don't want to use this miracle language to encourage faith healers to trick sure, people. Sure, 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 sure. And so there's actually a part of them that's trying to, you know, be level-headed. It's just... It's a very difficult field to be in. Um, but once it goes through that publication process, it helps Christian apologists. Um, I, I was sharing with you earlier, you know, Dr. Keener in his book, Miracles Today, um, talks about GMRI, the team that researches for us, as having some of the highest standards of for miracle research. And so we as, I, I want to change the heart of the, charismatic movement to get us out of anti-intellectualism we are have to engage our culture at the level of ideas and um to speak its language and so i i think it builds a bridge into supernaturalistic thinking if we can show good case studies of of people that that have been healed it makes the resurrection plausible it makes intelligent design plausible it 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 starts justifying other parts of the Christian worldview. Okay, so I mean, why? And and, and this is I don't know if this question just begs the question. I don't know if it's just like because it hasn't happened yet, but like why has it been up till now? Like why? What have been the roadblocks for charismatics? You, you mentioned? Did you mention Amy Simple McPherson? Uh, is that who you're saying? Catherine Coleman. Catherine Coleman. Yeah, yeah, it was one of the lady healers. But like, why? Why was she really into it? And where did that go? Like, yeah. was there a push against that? How- it wasn't a push against it. Like, churches aren't research centers. Like, okay. Um, if let's say a church, average church, you know, of two or three hundred people might have a doctor, but to put together a case, that doctor would have to be a specialist in the miracle that person was healed in, and then have extensive background. In, in, in understanding what the journals are publishing. Sure. Um, and so, like, it just, it takes a research organization. If you don't have that, it's not getting done. And so I, I don't blame the church on it. And it, you know, it takes lots of money, time, 
hundreds and hundreds of hours to research this stuff. And so, and you don't want to be the person that tells granny it's not a miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's a hard one. And so I I think we're just in a stage where right now God's opened up the doors to start doing this and we just have to change some mindsets. Okay, so what would ideally um, people watch this film you know, ideally, how how should a local church structure around this ideology? If a pastor is watching this, um, are they does the does the church do res, uh, take responsibility? Say, hey, we think this is an actual miracle. It seems as if this person, uh, you know, had foggy eyes, and now they're you know we can see their pupils. You know, okay, so so does the church take the responsibility to pay for that medical bill to get them to go back no. to the doctor to get things verified? Like, what would you what would you expect and want to see local churches doing to see this stuff verified? So. All the local church has to do is go to sinproof.com, scroll all the way down to share your miracle, and then put that in, you know, fill out that little section, and it goes to our researcher t- team. We will help you uh, look through your data. We will collect the medical records for you. So first of all, do not think I have to have all my medical records together. Some It's 100 times easier for our doctors to collect them for you than for you to go get them yourself. Um, Secondly, if if there's a test that needs to be done, um, typically we pay for it. Uh, Our Global Medical Research Institute pays for it so that, um, you know, it's not a burden on the person. Sure. Um, But sometimes we can't do those tests because, you know, certain cases uh, an X-ray might cause, require radiation and a doctor won't approve of it. And so, there's there's workarounds we have to do and uh it's it, it's a difficult process and we de-identify people so you know your name's not going out there there won't be people knocking on your door unless you want to identify yourself um for, it can remain anonymous yeah okay yeah, yeah but it really helps the christian apologetics projects Okay, excellent. So, so when it comes to these kinds of projects, I want to get an opportunity to to pull Jeff in here for a second. You know, Jeff, when you started this, was there was there a kind of mindset that like you saw a certain miracle, experienced a certain thing that's really caused you to shift the paradigm of the way that you think about miracles? Uh, like, is there there was there anything that was that that kind of rattling or shaking for you going through this project? Yeah. Well, um, I, th- I have what I think is probably a story that aligns with a lot of other folks in the West who are believers, who, um, who are probably open but cautious. We've used that term, uh, you know, about folks who are wanting to say, hey, I'm open to the idea that these things are taking place today, but want to be very cautious because I know there's all kinds of abuses. The real groundbreaking thing for me was a trip that I took overseas. I was in Asia. I was with a a good friend who I trust. I trust his theology. I trust his love of scripture. And as we visited with Christians in different parts of the world, uh, I was was able to see and hear testimonies of healing. And these were not, um, these were, it was credible to me because this was not on TV. This wasn't somebody doing this and also asking for money and then the telephone start ringing in the background, you know, all of those sort of cliche um, stereotypes that I had about the kinds of Christians that pray for and see healing. It wasn't any of that crazy stuff. It was just the very frontiers of gospel advancement 
uh, among the unreached. And these folks are saying, in this case, almost everyone who's become a Christian in this area has become a Christian because of a miraculous healing or because of a deliverance. And that was very convincing to me to hear that said from those folks. I put a lot of weight in that and it really sort of upset the apple cart for me. I started saying, you know, maybe there is more miraculous healing out there that is not fraudulent, that's not fake, it's not con artistry. Uh, maybe in fact, the Holy Spirit is active today, healing, doing miracles as the gospel advances. That's really what um, changed me into a, a place of much more openness. Then to connect with Elijah and say, here's a guy who comes from a charismatic background, but he's very smart. He's got two master's degrees and he's working on this project to, uh, to say, look, I believe this stuff is happening, but I believe that if it is happening, we ought to be able to document it. That it kind of met both needs. I mean, I want more in my own life, and I do believe that um, that that God is out there doing miracles. But I'm I'm a Westerner, you know. I need to see evidence, and um, so yeah, I think the it was just something really compelling about um, bringing this into language that Westerners can understand, which is the language of empiricism and data and evidence. Yeah, that, that's great. And I actually have a question on the tail end of that that I want to ask from uh, a regular viewer, a guy who is on Patreon with us every single weekend, uh, BJ Allen. Great question here. He's, how do I ask for like, I want the evidence. Where is the evidence? And not sound like I'm doubting or being overly skeptic. Elijah, what are your thoughts, man? Well, first of all, let's go back to doubt. Um, doubt is not bad. There's the sin of doubt, which is when God says, do this in his word, and you don't do what God says. Mm -hmm. um, there is no compulsion on the modern church to believe any miracle claim um, that your pastor throws up in front of you. Um, you need to think critically about it. You need to learn how to evaluate eyewitnesses. You need to learn how to evaluate um, their testimony. And so Sounding doubting is not the same as being unhealthy or asking a reasonable question. Um, and there's a difference between asking this of apologists and theologians versus granny who just got prayer. Sure. Like there, there's a context in which it may be inappropriate, and then it's a there's a context in which it's healthy. And um I'm trying to push us toward let let's start putting some grenades in the uh, apologist armory by gathering this. Um, but yeah, there's testimonies that are worth not believing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's hard for charismatics to digest, but we need to think of our knowledge on a continuum from uh, this is logically impossible to very doubtful, doubtful. I don't know, could be one way or the other. Possible, probable, highly probable, 100% certainty. And the evidence moves your confidence one way or the other. And so, um, you know, there's things that miracles God can do without evidence. He can give you a dream. Um, an angel can appear and leave no evidence behind whatsoever. But in those cases where there's crossover, I think it's good and healthy to just document it. Because... God had people document testimonies in the Old Testament. And when they crossed the Red Sea, they 
uh, pulled rocks out and built an altar so that all generations would know afterwards. So why are we not collecting this if that is biblical precedent? If God does a miracle, collect the stuff. Okay, so I had uh, this, like, uh, they assume it is, there's no way of actually medically knowing, but like a TIA, like last mm-hmm. month, um, which is like a, they call it a mini stroke, but it would give me these really bad headaches, Okay, right? Had bad headaches for a long time. Now they told me it was just going to go away, but let's just say three days into this, it lasted for like a month, but let's say three days into this, I went to a church and they prayed for me and my headache went away. Yeah. Now, should a church, should a group of Christians believe me? There's no evidence okay, that I even yeah. had these chronic headaches other than my own testimony, mm-hmm. and then suddenly my headaches have gone away. Uh, should a Christian be predisposed to believe or not believe in grounds where things are entirely subjective and there's mm-hmm. no evidence going either way? I think that um, they should believe you had headaches before. I think they should believe your testimony when you say, I got prayer, they're no longer here. Um, and they should base it off of your character. Do you chronically lie to Christians or are you someone that tells the truth about your medical conditions? Um, and whether it's a miracle or divine providence, you were healed. So to say God healed me um, is theologically accurate no matter what. And so um, how do I determine if this is a miracle? Some cases I just go, I don't know. And in that case, I would just go, thank God you are healed. Um, but I, it wouldn't be the case I would present to the general public as um, proof these, of a living God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Headaches and ingrown toenails. So th- this does lead, and that's not to minimize that God does heal headaches and God does heal ingrown toenails. Right. But it's to say, if you're trying to send proof to skeptics or that are in the Christian circles or outside of the Christian yeah. circles that God has done this thing, you want something that's overwhelmingly sure. proof positive. And, and to that point, a, a, a viewer has a, a question statement. He says, I find it interesting uh, that uh, uh, the incredible healing miracle accounts are not on video. Uh, I still lean to believing them anyways. This is an interesting thing because it kind of leads us into that. Like if these things are extraordinary uh, miracles, why aren't they on film? And is that even true? Are there ridiculous miracles raised from the dead, no longer, you know, cripple miracle stuff Mm -hmm. on footage? That's a good question. So first of all, you have to go think of how many times you pray for people in church as a charismatic and how many times are you praying with a camera on beforehand expecting a miracle to happen. So first of all, we're not videotaping before uh, prayer things uh, as frequently as we could. Should we even be doing that? Well, once you put a camera in someone's face, that changes the viewership and the way they react. So if you want disingenuous mm, uh, stuff, point. turn on every camera you can and put it all around the church. At, you know, at, at church services at Bethel, there's 2,000 people in a room praying for each other at once. So we would all have to have cameras. And so that, that creates some issues. Um, there are scenes of people getting out of wheelchairs um i think her name's delana knox had a miracle like that that i think was caught on video but this is the thing i would encourage everyone to do it's it's great to ask why are certain things not occurring and that that's perfectly legitimate but i would also say you need to focus on what has occurred um because god is sovereign and can do as he wills and so if he provides one, is that sufficient? And are you going to reject that one or say, 
you know, God, you have to do these 15 things on my uh, bucket list to convince me. And so I think having the right heart is very important in this. It's just, I want to know what the truth is, um, but I don't want to make God be something God doesn't want to do or be, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so I, I just accept whatever evidence I get is what God wants us to have. Okay, so let's let's talk about the placebo effect or even beyond okay. the placebo effect, something that's more of like a, a mind over matter sort of situation sure. where uh, you've got the placebo effect, which I think in short is someone convinces themselves mm-hmm. they don't feel pain. And that probably can last momentarily. I don't see that lasting indefinitely if there's real chronic illness or pain. Uh, but then you have something also which would be some people would affirm a kind of mind over matter sort of situation. The human mind is really powerful and it can do all kinds of wonderful things and it can actually cure people into something if they actually believe it. Uh, is there any validity to those sorts of things? I mean, obviously placebo effect is well documented. The mind over matter thing, is, is mm-hmm. that a thing at all? Um, well, let, let's say this. Um, there are people who've had psychosomatic disorders. That is, they've been through trauma um, you know, maybe saw their family shot and killed and went blind. And then there's nothing wrong with their eyeballs or the organic parts of their body and they get their sight back. Um, I'm sure that could correlate at some point to prayer. Um, but mind over matter has a limit to it. And we can use science to know what those limits are. The placebo effect certainly can, um, you know, when you're testing, depression pills can work, um, but it doesn't work with cancer drugs. It doesn't work with um, a lot of stuff. And in fact, placebo kind of, we know the limits is pain and nausea and stuff like that. Um, and so we think mind over matter, and these are just phrases we throw out when it comes to miracles, but we don't think second level how how far can this go mm-hmm. and it's not healing or organic issues it, it you know you break your arm and you just think my arm's going to get better um it doesn't put the bone back into place and so um we have a lot of knowledge about how the physical world works and sometimes um michael Shermer's famous for doing this we saying this we need to doubt our skepticism Mm. we need to doubt our skepticism are we really being skeptical or are we just throwing out you know thoughtless phrases um and so yeah like figure out how far mind over matter can work and then go all right it can't go this far and so that can't be an explanation in this case and so a lot of stuff that skeptics throw out is actually stuff that um I'm like, but it doesn't fit the case very well. Mm. Okay, yeah. okay. So I've got, I've got a thought. I'm going to toss it over to Jeff first for this one. When it comes to uh, championing testimonies, because I think Elijah makes a really good point, you're not going to want to grab the the headache or the ingrown toenail that there was no proof of before, and there's no verifiable proof to try to convince the skeptic. But when it comes to local community and championing testimonies, hey, this week uh, I prayed for someone and they had a t- level 10 pain and now it's a level nine pain, right, uh, in their right ankle or whatever it is. Like, at what point do you say, as a as a church, 
you actually need evidence, not to convict the skeptic, but to actually affirm to your congregation. Because if, if someone's in the room and they're like, hey, I had back pain when I came in here, uh, that was a 10 and now it's a nine. I'm like, okay, like, like I, you've been doing this for the last four minutes because people have been telling you to test it. You just stretched it out. Like at what point is that marker where we go, okay, um, we shouldn't be championing this miracle until we have some kind of verifiable evidence. Certainly with a skeptic is one thing, but internally within our culture, we want to create a culture of, of honoring what God is doing, but we don't want to uh, make something as if it's not speaking into areas that we shouldn't. What do you think about that, Jeff? Yeah, it's a great thought. Um, and I, I have never had any experience trying to pastor in an environment like that. <clears throat> so I think I'd need to think about it. But I do think that it's important. I mean, we're Christians. That means that we tell the truth or that we're supposed to tell the truth. I mean, we serve the one who is referred to as the truth, capital T truth. So um, I, I, I think that none of us should be afraid to lovingly, humbly hold each other to the standard of absolute truth. There's absolutely no point in using falsehood, shades of truth, gray, um, little white lies or exaggerations about what happened um, to try and bring other people to the one who is the truth. So I think that just needs to be set up front. There's really no place for deception. And, and really, I mean, I think, you know, just from my own background, so much of my baggage about the charismatic movement or the Holy Spirit or the supernatural, the miraculous was because of deceptions that had happened that were very public and they were exposed. So um, absolutely 100%, I think in the local church, if you're going to pursue healing, if you're going to do, you know, like what Wimber and Vineyard did in the 80s, where they said, man, we're going we're gonna to pray for people until we see people healed. If you're going to really make that a part of your culture, let's make the truth um, just as important. Um, so, but I think there's kind of two groups that we're talking about here. I mean, if I'm in, if I'm in church and somebody that's, uh, you, you know, I'm, I know has been experiencing pain and then they leave that Sunday morning with no pain. I don't need, uh, to see a peer reviewed journal article. I can celebrate with them that God has done something that to them was meaningful Amen. and showed yeah. his power and presence. And I'm all for that. And I don't think that we need to make those folks feel bad, um, you, you know, for, for just giving honest testimony about what they've experienced. Now, you know, do, is that going to convince an atheist or skeptic? No, but I do think it's probably helpful to highlight what Elijah is saying. There's something about um, collecting data uh, that is going to serve as memorial stones and as, as acceptable evidence to the secular uh, person. But I'm not sure that that's necessarily then what needs to be the standard on a Sunday morning for Linda to, you know, two rows over, who is just praising God that she's leaving, uh, you know, with a healed back that morning. Uh, that's great. I, I think that's a balanced response. Uh, uh, as you were responding, Elijah is like, tag me in, tag me in. I want to answer this one too. Uh, I've got a great question in for, from Ryan Jagger. So I'm going to, I'm going to touch base on your question just here in one second, but first I want to let Elijah to have a chance to answer this question. Yeah. Um, I think also you need to know what you're celebrating at church. So mm -hmm. I, you know, there's moments we celebrate risk-taking. So you got up the courage to go pray for someone. Um, there's moments where we celebrate um, any type of improvement. And so 
we're trying to build a congregation that um, is, is engaging in the supernatural. Also, when you think about epistemologically how confident you should be, um, other people's testimonies are the the weakest form. It's mm -hmm. actually miracles you see yourself. And so putting yourself in a situation where you're praying for the sick consistently is the best way to grow in knowledge um, that miracles occur today. Seeking God, praying to him, um, stepping out on the street in environments where there's no nothing conducive toward people lying to you. Um, that is what will build your confidence much more than these journal articles, but you got to start somewhere and you need multiple lenses in your life. I, I would say the most powerfully convincing ones aren't the cases in, in this film. It's ones I've seen with my own eyes. But if there were no objective evidence, I would go, man, maybe I need to question even those. So No, no, I think that's that's helpful. There, When we were in book club just recently, I remember talking about the that old... Uh... Uh, illustration of the guys in the cave and they see the shadows and they don't really know how the world works around them and uh, the, the strangers to fire is a response to strange fire the opening chapter is like this scathing polemic of the cessationist movement and I don't say this uh, in a gleeful sense um, I, but I do think that it was a strong argumentation to say hey uh, we're a cessationist and it's like okay uh, do you pray for the sick no uh, but heal healings don't happen today. Well, have you gone to a charismatic church where they claim that they've seen healings of the sick? No. Like, have you ever gone mm -hmm. to a conference where they 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 practice healing for the sick? No. And he's like, well, that's like talking to a person that says, I don't believe in trains. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, well, I've been on a train. Well, I don't believe you. Well, do you want to come with me to the train station to go look at a train? No, I don't mm -hmm. believe that they're there. I'm not going. And it's like, you've got to be able to put yourself in spaces where you can be presented with evidence. And I think that's a really compelling thing. Um, I, I'm transitioning a little bit here. Uh, there's a great question uh, from Ryan that I want to get to, and I don't want to tangent too far off of this. Ryan asks a question, uh, what do we, uh, do we make of this case of illness and pains that have seemingly been healed but are shortly returned uh, after prayer? So so uh, I've seen miracles. I've seen personally, I have, I have a story when I was uh, probably nine or 10. I was real young. And uh, I remember Gina Stewart uh, up at the front of our Assemblies of God church, just weeping old saint, like, loves the Lord. I don't mean to call her old. She wasn't old. She's as old as any of my parents, but she lays hands on me. She prays for me and uh, uh, I get healed, right? I have this horrible headache. I'm telling my mom I have a headache mm -hmm. and, I, and I just remember instantly it was gone, right? Mm -hmm. I was baffled by it. I was really startled by it. It was nothing like that had ever happened to me before. And I'm sitting in the car and I'm thinking about this headache and I'm like, did that even really just happen? Maybe I wasn't healed. And the second the thought came into my head, I got nailed with another headache. Mm -hmm. And this is anecdotal evidence. Frankly, I don't have a theological category to put this in. I'm not sure. one of those guys who's like, you know, uh, uh, faith in your faith, you know, psychological certainty is how mm -hmm. you get healed. But but what do you say to those people who, man, they got, they got healed of X, Y, and Z, and then it seems to come back months or years later? Mm -hmm. What do we do with that? Um, I think this, sometimes it can be spiritual attack, um, but more so I look at how the scriptures treat this topic and it doesn't mention it. Yeah. And so I don't want to make up a story about God or or so, come up with something theological where the Bible's silent. Um, I can say I love those people. Um, maybe that wasn't a miracle in the first place. Maybe, uh, I don't know. Some people talk about losing healings. But I, I just don't make up stories. 
And I think that's, if there's one thing we could learn as a charismatic movement that would make my life a hundred times easier is stop making up stories where the Bible's silent. That, that seems like a, a theologically robust thing to say <laughs> yeah. on, on a charismatic podcast. Uh, the, the phrase is, you speak where the Bible speaks and you remain silent where the Bible's silent. There you go, brother. And, and if it was good enough for John the Baptist, it's good enough for me, I, I do declare. Um, and, and I'll tell you, though, that would give us a lot less headaches and a lot less headaches. Ah! <laughs> See what I did there? Okay. A lot, lot less headaches in the charismatic movement if we... <laughs> <laughs> I'm cracking myself up. That was totally yeah. unintentional. Uh, if we if we could do that, if we could say, hey, uh, we live in this space of mystery. You know, there's this guy yeah. named Lazarus that Jesus raised from the dead. And turns out Lazarus died, like, eventually. Um, there's tons of people in the Bible who had raised from the dead. Tons. That's an overstatement. But 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 they all died, uh, except for Jesus, right? Right. Who, who, who rises and sits on a throne forever and ever. Um, all of these uh, things that they were healed of, that they were cured of, they were cured of death, but it was momentarily. And that death eventually came back to overtake them. Uh, so, so I would just say that we we do have some theological pattern to say that bodies decay. That's sure. a, that's a natural thing that takes sure. place. At least the Lord tarry. So, um, yeah, I, I would say yes and amen. We don't need to create a demonic. Could it be demonic? Certainly. Could it be many other mm-hmm. things? Certainly. But we don't have to place faith in theological categories in those spaces mm-hmm. either. And, and the skeptics doing the same thing when they come back and say, "Well, it was placebo effect." How do you know that? Yeah. Um, I know placebo effect exists, but this person, you're, you weren't under a, uh, in a scientific test group. Um, you're just reporting your experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and also in scripture, the word mystery doesn't mean thing. If you get enough clues, you'll figure it out. It means only God knows the answer. And I think we have to have mystery that's robust enough for how scripture teaches it is that. I God did not reveal why this event happens this way, and I'm okay with living with that mystery. No, that's helpful. And I've got one last question for Maria, and then we'll do some closing thoughts, closing statements, okay. where I'll ask you guys, uh, man, what's that like one golden nugget you want people to go away thinking about about this movie? What do you want them to do? How do you want them to respond as our call to action? This is a great question for Maria. Uh, is there any evidence of miraculous healings by uh, any name other than the name of Jesus? So as a guy with two apologetics degrees, do people get healed outside of the Christian faith by other names? Uh, yes. I, I, I mean, Jesus said, watch out for false prophets and false messiahs who will do signs and wonders among you. So miracles are the evidence God is at work. Um, God has to reveal himself for that. And that's why we have his word so that we have knowledge of how God interacts with the world. And we can discern that by using the word. If you're like anything that's supernatural is good, you're going to end up new age or Hindu. That's that's just where you're going to go. Um, and so, um, but in most cases, the evidence isn't that strong where people are reporting this stuff. And so I I personally have heard stories, but I when I asked those people to send in the evidence, it went nowhere. And so that's where I'm at right now. So if, if let's say, a Jehovah's Witness, a Mormon or a Muslim were to go to sin proof and put in their information for their false God who healed them. And it could technically go through the verification process because sure. technically it's just looking for uh, an unexplainable healing. 
that's what that's what your your research is looking for. It's not looking for necessarily a Chris, a Christologically tied healing. Is that right? Um, the global medical research is looking for prayer in Jesus' name, and they wouldn't mean the Jesus of the creeds. And so okay, so, um, but I would not have a problem either them publishing that or whatever because I I want to look at truth, and so I don't have a problem saying, well, yep, this false Mormon belief system, you know, something demonic held them. I, I, you know, because it's still true to you and, because... and they wouldn't publish like science can't tell you, uh, God healed somebody. They can say prayer happened before prayer happened afterwards. This is the probability of that right. happening. And so it makes no theological claims. Yeah. So, so your, your point is to say that, uh, it could go through the research and it would still prove only that there is a supernatural worldview that can account for miracles. Uh, because Jesus said, hey, demonic forces are going to do miracles. So in that sense, it's true and that it actually happened or could happen. You have to even interpret a supernatural worldview into that. It, it's just saying before this person was this way, after we have no knowledge of that gotcha. naturalistic explanation. Okay, got it, got it, got it. That's right, that's right, that's right. Okay, cool. Let's do this. Uh, let's wrap up our conversation with kind of some closing thoughts. I'll toss it over to Jeff. Uh, Jeff, give me that kind of like closing thought you want people to think about after they watch this documentary, the impact you hope that it'll have on, on their lives and what kind of like call to action do you expect people uh, uh, to follow through after watching the documentary? Yeah, well, the people that I really love and have a heart for or are the kinds of folks where I come from, um, churches that love the Bible, absolutely believe in the gospel, are 100% committed to scripture and want to believe that God is active today, healing miraculously, that he, uh, that we can pray and see miraculous answers to prayer for healing or or whatever, that, that actually expecting and seeking God to answer prayer in ways that we can't explain is a normal tool in our arsenal for advancing the kingdom as we love the lost and share the gospel and as we seek to build up the church. So my hope is that those kinds of folks will feel the freedom to pursue God for more of the supernatural, um, not... Um, not, not, not really to, not to prove a point. You know, we spend so much time in Christendom kind of arguing positions and trying to support uh, my theological position over the, uh, over the other. That's really not what I'm concerned about at this point. What I really want to see is the gospel advance. I mean, we are surrounded by an ocean of lostness. People need Jesus. And if Christians um, are out there without the faith and the daring and the ability to take the risk, pray, big prayers where it would be really obvious that God was the one who who gave the answer if he said yes. I think we're just hindered if we're not willing to do that. I think we're hindered in our mission. And I really just want those Christians to join me in jumping in and saying, you know what, I'm going to do crazy things. Like Elijah was talking about, we're going to pray for the sick. People are hurting. We're going to pray for them. I'm going to get out on the street. I'm going to pray for someone. Pray that God touches them, heals them. Because that's what God has commanded us to do, to get out there and make disciples and preach the gospel. That's what I want to see. Great, great response, man. Thank you so much. Uh, Elijah, same question. Uh, uh, what's the kind of takeaway you want people to have after watching? Uh, what's the call to action that you want them to kind of have after seeing this film? Okay. Um, I want to do my last nugget and then I'll do that. Okay. okay. Oh, we got so, a nugget too. 
my nugget is this. The most important miracle to get to the bottom of is the resurrection of Jesus. And so read The Case for the Resurrection by Gary Habermas and figure that out. Figure that one out for <laughs> yourself. Um, Jesus deserves your life, your land, your liberty if he's resurrected from the dead. And that is the gospel, is that Jesus came and died on a cross for our sins. Give your life to him. Give everything that you are. And I hope that what this documentary does is it compels the church to go and pray and to take risk that you would not take a risk. Because if you watch a mir miracle documentary and you're convinced sick people are healed, you ha have lost your excuse for not praying for the sick and believing in the God of the impossible. Um, I would also close with go to sendproof, S-E-N-D, proof.com. Check the movie out. So Elijah, I know I said that was the last question. I have, I've got one more Ooh. because I think it's an important thing that has to be asked. Are miracles enough to lead people to Jesus? Like, can you just pray for a sick person, see them get healed and be like, Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life and you get out of Dodge? Is that enough to see salvation come to a person? Are you even making the case that, hey, uh, is Jeff making the case that if you go out there and you heal a sick person, that that is a gospel presentation? That is, oh, no. that is, the, okay, so, yeah. so, so lay it on yeah, me, yeah, yeah. lay it on me, Elijah. Yeah. All right, so listen up, hyper-charismatic movement. We have got to turn <laughs> the volume up on the gospel. The gospel is not God loves you and wants to heal you. The gospel is that um, we are in sin and that we need a savior. And so healing is to, supposed to accompany that message um, sometimes when we pray for the sick. But this is the deal. The gospel message doesn't change hearts. The Holy Spirit does. God alone changes hearts. And so we present it. And whether the heart changes or not, there's nothing we can do about that. But we, we're to be faithful witnesses of the resurrection in our lives and in our words. And I just encourage all of my charismatic brothers and sisters. I know the reason they're, they're saying God wants to heal you is to start with a talking point. Um, it's easier to talk about healing than it is to talk about our Repentant need for beliefs. a savior. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but what changed the lives of the disciples is that they knew Jesus was alive. And so you read people, I think it's Papias who talked about the disciples, uh, after they stuck the hand in Jesus's side, they didn't fear death or evil. And we need a church that radically knows the resurrected Christ so that we can proclaim the gospel without fear in the face of evil, knowing that if we die, we will be resurrected. And so get it ingrained in your heart. Jesus is alive. Like wrestle that one. Yeah. So Jesus is alive, faith and repentance. Jeff, would you have anything you want to add to that when it comes to healing and evangelism? I just love what Elijah said. I mean, the gospel is the gospel. Uh, but if we look at scripture, Jesus clearly sent out his disciples with the message of uh, delivering those who are oppressed by demons and uh, healing the sick and raising the dead. And let's do all those things as we seek to advance the gospel, proclaim it clearly. Excellent. Excellent, guys. That's that's that. Uh, my closing thoughts are go pick up this thing. Help help me blow this up. I'm going to I'm serious, guys. You watch Remnant Radio all the time. This is something I really want to get behind. 
d- go go to the, the website, grab the link, toss it on your Facebook, share it around. Uh, this stuff really, really needs to get out there. As charismatics, we've got to be consistent with these things. If we're going to test what is what is evil and cling to what is good, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 15, 19 through 22, I think it includes healing, guys. I think we really need to test these Amen. things, weigh these things out. If we believe they're real, they need to be able to stand up to scrutiny. And I think that's what anyone who's intellectually honest will do with anything in the supernatural space, whether it's a tongue, whether it's prophecy, whether, whether it's... Uh, any of these kinds of supernatural dreams and visions, we've got to be able to put these things under the test and under the microscope. So help us make this thing a popular thing because uh, it really, really, really needs to impact our movement and in the Christian movement as a whole. Links in the description for both SinProof or if you want to subscribe to the channel, go ahead and hit subscribe. If you want to bless our content, uh, there's links in the description for both PayPal or Patreon. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Remnant Radio. You can watch tomorrow from 4 to 5 p.m. Central Time. Dr. Craig Keener is continuing his series through the Gospel of Mark on our channel. Uh, I believe we're in Mark chapter 3 this week. It's going to be a great program. So I will see you guys tomorrow. want to thank Kairos Classrooms for sponsoring this episode of Remnant Radio. And if you're out there, you've ever wondered, hey, I wonder if learning a biblical language would be a supplemental tool for me to help me in my biblical studies. Well, you need to check out Kairos Classrooms. They offer Greek and Hebrew classes that can help teach you and train you. It's a live classroom environment with actual students and actual live teachers, and they help teach you the biblical languages of Greek and Hebrew. And you need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. There's a link in the description, and you can use the promo promo code REMNANT to get 10% off. These classes are already crazy affordable, but with the promo code REMNANT, R-E-M-N-A-N-T, you'll get 10% off of Kairos Classroom. So check that out today. And thank you so much for Kairos for sponsoring this episode of REMNANT Radio.